soon I will be done Trouble of a world oh, Trouble of the world Trouble Lord, of the world Out sooner will be done Trouble Lord, of the world I'm going home to live with God. Greetings, 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 good people, and welcome to another edition of Cat's Corner, the podcast. I am your host, Rissa Cat, Cat of the Day. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, if it sounds all crispy and clear, it's because I have moved locations. I am no longer on my porch. I am what I'm calling, I'm at what I'm calling Perry Studios. Um, I realized that I wanted to do things a certain way and I wanted things to sound a certain way. So I enlisted the help of one of my collaborators in arms, one of my sisters from another mister, uh, the great Elise Perry, who you will probably hear from in an episode sooner rather than later. So yeah. I'm hoping you're liking the sound because I'm loving the way it feels. Thank you all so much for the feedback and just the quick notes that I got about the last episode, episode one of this new season. It felt good to talk about Simone and share some of the things that have been sitting on my chest. And in reimagining what the podcast was really going to be about, trying to get a rhythm, I knew these first few episodes were going to have to be deeply personal. So we're going to still be in it. <laughs> In fact, uh, this episode was planned as the follow-up. So this topic was originally planned before I even knew what was coming down the pike. And initially, it was going to be more of an observational discussion on how stressful things are at this time where you have all this collective and communal grief. I had it all planned out. And then I got a text message letting me know that a friend's father had passed away after a long illness. And then a few days after that, my phone rang. And my good friend Elise actually was on the other line. And you know how when somebody's calling, the phone ring is the same every time. You know, you got your little ringers and it's whatever. But you can tell that whatever's on the other end is not the best of news. So she was the one to call and tell me that, unfortunately, someone that we consider a pillar of our arts community. But even when I think about how he rolled, he really took care of the caretakers, you know. And I'm talking about James Newton, a.k.a. Jimmy. Um, for those that are listening that know who I'm talking about, you know, we lost a giant in our community. He was one of those cats that was super supportive of all of the creative stuff, loved music, had, you know, these these hidden gifts with photography and could make a mean sauce and was also like really smart. He was an engineer and he had created this rooftop oasis on his house in D.C. And I can't remember when it started, but I do remember the first time I was invited it was like, hey, Jimmy's doing something on his roof before Marvin. So for those that don't know, and I'm terrible at years for some reason because everything runs together for me. But at some point in D.C., um, when Marvin opened up, this is a it's a bistro in D.C. that's now closed. Um, it was dedicated in, a, in the memory of, of Marvin Gaye and specifically around his time in Belgium. Uh, when this opened up, this was a place that, like real talk, largely because of how it was situated on U Street and who was going in there. It didn't feel like it was welcoming, I think, initially to black folks. 
At least that's what I was told once we started doing things. And um, thanks to Sheldon Scott, who is an amazing culturalist and cultural preserver of D.C., uh, we got an opportunity. Shout out to DJ Jasonic, who was like, hey, let's we're going to do something on a Monday night. Anyone who's done nightlife promotions, nightlife marketing, nightlife experiences, Monday nights don't feel like the night to do stuff. But we got an opportunity to be in this new space, so we did it. And Jimmy was a huge supporter. You know, he would come out, he would hang out. In those early days, it was pure bliss. It was magical. It was something that was for us, for the cool kids who would normally be working on the weekends. Monday became our respite, our place to come and like, you know, shake it off and drink and have a good time and dance. Like I I remember many a night dancing till two o'clock in the morning, going home, sleeping for a few hours and getting up to go teach class. That's how that's how deep it was. It was a ritual. And Jimmy was part of that. And at some point, as Marvin started to change, as that night started to change, you know, one of the things that happens is when things start organically, it just takes the right person or maybe the wrong person finding out about it. And then there's this influx of folks who don't understand and who are coming from this place of Friday night, Saturday night club experience, as opposed to letting Monday night be what it needs to be. So it changed. And in a lot of ways, it changed in a way that didn't really suit or fit the folks that initially were coming. So it shifted. It became a really big deal. I think in a lot of ways it galvanized and solidified, you know, Jasonic's role or sort of his celebrity as a DJ in D.C. Like it really, Monday night was, it was the shit. Like it just was. And Jimmy started hosting these pre-joints. So if you wanted to go to Marvin, you might get there you know, around 11 or so. So you, instead of going there at 11, you would go to Jimmy's first. So you go to Jimmy's around seven or eight, hang out there. And if you felt, if you still felt like heading over to Marvin, you would do that. And this became this seasonal ritual because once the roof, you know, once the weather changed, you couldn't be in the roof anymore, but he held us down. There was food, there was drink. He set up a, you know, a makeshift DJ booth. So some of the DJ you know, folks would come and spin and you could literally be hanging out on his roof on a Monday night until the wee hours of the morning. It was absolutely an amazing gift. It also solidified where we were in terms of our, our psyche. As Marvin changed and, you know, some of the crowd became a little bit more aggressive, there were a lot of folks who just didn't feel safe anymore. It changed a lot. And so this was a way to kind of keep that Monday ritual going and still feel safe. And with, you know, with Jimmy, like he wasn't giving you chips and dip. He was giving you full on meals. You know, I would go and eat really good and, you know, have really great, you know, drinks. And it would just be this really great experience. And it was understood that everybody wasn't invited. So you didn't bring everybody if you knew better. Um, Some people didn't know better. But for those that understood the gift that this was, you only told people and you only brought people who would respect the space. And so for a good, I want to say five or six years, I might be wrong. I, like I said, time doesn't work for me the same way it works for other folks. So it was a moment that I, I absolutely loved. And when he had to make the decision to kind of shut it down because people were abusing the space and not taking things seriously, we you know we lost something special, but we still had Jimmy, so it was fine. And when I got the call that he had passed, um, suddenly I just, the rest of the day felt like I was walking through thick thigh high mud. Like everything felt slow. It felt really, really slow. And you know, what has happened is because of the sheer number of folks 
who are dying and because of the proliferation of social media, oftentimes you're finding out that people have passed on Twitter or on Instagram and it's jarring. So I, I wanted to kind of mitigate that. So I called the folks that, you know, we kind of said, okay, we'll call, I'll call this person. You call that person just so folks wouldn't have to find out on social media. And so, you know, this grief that I was art, this grief coat that I was already carrying with Simone's passing, it just got heavier. Grief was like, ah, you thought I was gone. I'm not gone. I'm here hanging out. Hey girl. And it starts all over again. And it feels like, how much more can we take? It feels like, do I have it in me to go through this again? Um, Very soon after the news, there was a memorial that was held in Baltimore. And it was good to see everyone. It was still very jarring that we were there because Jimmy wasn't. It was still really just weird to be talking about him in the past tense. And it just felt out of place. It felt surreal. Jimmy loved music. So, you know, anything that we're going to do to memorialize him is always going to have music. And the first one was just kind of, it felt like, okay, you know, Baltimore was his home. That was where he was from. And so it felt, you know, it was proper and and respectful to make sure that his family got a chance to do things the way they wanted to do them. And then some of the folks who were part of his creative space arranged for us to all gather at an outdoor club and we danced in his honor. It was stunning being able to meet up with folks, being able to hug on folks being outside and we danced and I mean danced till our knees hurt danced till our feet hurt danced the night away it was so powerful to see everyone and the way that the crew that I roll with the way that the people that I consider community roll with when we come to a function to party it looks like an Ernie Gaines picture like it's it's a thing like you know it looks like something out of the whiz you think that we're choreographing this and we're not like this is what this is how people express. And so there's something really beautiful and lost, I think, right now in the way that we think about movement, that when I see my crew do their thing, it, it's just life giving. And it was just a beautiful way to honor Jimmy. We played his favorite songs. We sang. We cried. Um, we remembered. And that part felt good. I think because of the way Simone died, there hasn't been a chance to really do because she died in January. So we were still very much dealing with lockdowns and all of that. So I do think while there is a massive collective grief happening where people, you know, transition in the cycle of lockdowns and not lockdowns and you can be outside and you're not limiting the number of people anymore. It does play a role in what the grief looks like. And so I, I wanted to speak to that because it's stressful right now. You know, it feels like we are, combating all of these things and there are moments where I feel like if I see one more social media post about somebody that's died I'm just gonna throw my phone in the trash there are times where I don't have anything to say like the little you know care icon or the condolences or sorry for your loss like at some point it just starts to feel hollow and so I just wanted to at least acknowledge that that you know sometimes part of what's happening is you're just like, well, where else? I don't have any more emotion left to give to this. You know, we have been stunned into silence behind Jimmy's passing because it's just so unexpected. It's so left field. Um, This is another soul that's dearly departed. And there's just adding to this growing list of folks that have been accumulating. And it feels like things are happening at this breakneck speed. And, you know, if you're not clear or if you're not paying attention, just like that, someone could be gone. And so I wanted to acknowledge that, that I'm tired. 
I'm sure a lot of you are tired and that it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to to not want to respond. It's okay if you don't have it in you to muster up the, the ability to go to a memorial. It's a lot. I think, though, that what we have to do is we have to remember that we're all human in all this, that as we're trying to figure things out, as we're trying to move things along, we have to remember that our humanity is at the center. And that means that the humanity of others is at the center. So I also feel like this is an opportunity to acknowledge that everybody's not going to do things the way we would like them to do them. I think that, you know, some of the things that I've seen about, you know, if in the middle of the pandemic, your friends have checked and you, they're not your real friends, that type of rhetoric is very dangerous because it doesn't acknowledge the humanity in all of us. It doesn't give us a chance to, to not be okay. So what I would ask is that as we're thinking about this, be mindful that we're all grieving in some way, shape or form. Even if you haven't lost someone directly, you probably know someone who has, or you probably know of someone that you knew that is no longer on this plane. And so as folks are transitioning and leaving out, regardless of what your your faith is, your belief system is, we have to acknowledge to those that are living that the human capacity can only handle but so much before it becomes a little too much. So yeah, that's what I wanted to say for this episode. I, I... <laughs> I'm tired in a, in a lot of ways, but this grief space feels never ending. Even now, as I am recording this episode, another person passed, I think maybe a week and a half ago, that was really well known in the social media space, had really close friends and ties to the communities that I'm a part of, and who I knew, you know, through the social media space and never met personally, but his loss feels, it still feels like we lost someone, you know? That's okay. You know, it's okay that if you've never met the person. It's okay if you have this this deep feel of, of sadness because this is what it means to be human. This is what it means to be walking this path. So what I hope is that this episode short, you know, it's funny. I One of the things I've had to do is let go of my idea of how long these should be and just get out what I need to say. And if it's a short one, great. And if it's a long one, cool. But I realized in this moment that I had been so worried about this episode because I didn't know what I didn't know if what I was going to say was going to be enough. And so at this point, you will get what I give you and hopefully you will enjoy it. And if you don't, that's your business. But I do want to take a minute to offer some takeaways. You know, I like a good takeaway uh, before I close this one out, because I feel like I've gotten off my chest what I needed to get off my chest And I feel good about that piece. Jimmy was an important part of my landscape and I'm going to miss him terribly. And there are moments, because it's still rather new, that I literally just sit there like, damn, Jimmy died. What the hell? But there's also moments where I really miss my mom. You know, I was at the Whole Foods recently. I was in the, I was getting eggs. And this just thing came over me. And I was like, God, mom, I really miss you. I really wish you were here. And it took a minute for me to kind of feel that and then go on. So grief doesn't take a break. It, it does what it does. And we have to give it space. And at the same time, we have to do things that nurture us and keep us whole because we're still here and we still have things to do. So with that, here are the takeaways for this episode. First one, don't underestimate grief. I have learned this the hard way. Trust me, it's not worth it. It lingers. That's its job to remind us of what we've lost. And when or if we can make peace with the pain of separation, There are moments of clarity and gratitude for the time you've shared. That part is hard, but 
I've seen glimpses of it. And there's something really powerful in that. Two, connect with the living. The community that was fostered under Jimmy's watch was an important one. Um, He created a space for all of us to be ourselves. He took care of the caretakers. In many ways, that's the thing that he leaves behind. It took a minute to realize this, but when I sat back and I thought about all the people that I saw since uh, in the last two gatherings in his name, a lot of the folks there have been folks who often in their respective circles are the caretakers are the ones that are doing all the planning and stepping up and standing up. And so in a lot of ways, Jimmy was fortifying us so that we could do the job that we have to do now. Three, do it. Whatever it is, the pandemic has ripped pages out of our lives. We're in many ways seeing a shakeup, particularly in the way that the America's uh, (laughs) violent capitalism um, operates. Folks are not giving a damn about puny paychecks anymore. They're not working these long hours. Um, they want to be with their family and friends. They're not interested in, you know, you know, running this race where they're constantly running themselves empty. Um, we're not going to be here forever, folks. So you might as well go see about that dream. So whatever it is, do it. OK. And that's all I have for this episode. Yeah, it feels good. So thanks so much for tuning in. I appreciate you. And until next time, be you and be well. Hey folks, just wanted to take a minute to say thank you so much for listening to Cat's Corner, the podcast. If you would like to follow me on social media, please do so. I'm at K-A-T-S-K-O-R-N-E-R-C-O, Cat's Corner Co. on both IG and Twitter. You can also follow my company, Little Soso Productions, at LSP underscore on the go. That is both at IG and Twitter. And always feel free to come visit us at www.lilsoso.com. L-I-L-S-O-S-O dot com. Thanks again for listening. Really appreciate it.